How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. So if you weren't aware, February is designated as American Heart Month. In recognition of this and in an effort to promote prudent heart health measures, today we get to talk to a cardiac arrest survivor. This gentleman has an incredible story to share and has parlayed his experiences into a life dedicated to educating others on the importance of heart health as well as the importance of utilizing education in public access CPR and defibrillation to increase out-of-hospital sudden cardiac arrest survival. Mr. Michael Papali was a young, athletic teenager who played multiple sports. He worked out regularly. At the age of 17, while working out in a local gym, his world changed. At 32, he is with us today, in a new role and with a very important message. He is a survivor and the current manager of community relations for DFib Tech. DFib Tech is a leader and innovator in the design and manufacture of automated external defibrillators, mechanical chest compressors, and other life-saving resuscitation products. Michael, thank you for coming on with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Mike. Excited to uh, talk to you about this important topic. Well, Mike, you have quite a compelling story and one that is so relevant during these times that we find ourselves in. We're certainly going to get into that, but before we do, maybe tell us a little bit about your story on that day many years ago and how that worked to shape your future. Yeah, so... um you know, it, it was certainly a day that that changed my life uh, forever. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I was a really healthy guy. Um, never had signs of heart disease or, or anything that made my family or my doctors think I could have something wrong with my heart. But um, I was a really competitive basketball player, and um, I was actually working at my dad's basketball camp at the end of that summer um, in 2006. So it was Wednesday night, and my brother and I decided that the next morning we were going to wake up do a basketball workout early in the morning and kind of go work as counselors at this camp. So um, we did just that. The next morning, August 24th, 2006, we woke up. One of our friends came and picked us up. We went and, and probably snuck in a gym and did a basketball workout for uh, about an hour and a half. And we were completely fine. Like I can, I can remember the workout um, to this day and nothing really stood out, you know, other than it being like an intense 90 minutes. And after the workout ended, we went over to a local parks and recreation center where this basketball camp was being held. And I walked in at about 8 a.m., said hi to my dad. And I don't remember anything else that happened that day. So, you know, between 8 and 1030, um, I was a camp counselor. You know, I was refereeing, coaching, uh, hanging out with the kids. And at 1030, um, I was just sitting on the bleachers. We had come in from from being outside and my best friend was sitting next to me and I slumped forward and uh, kind of just face planted and they went in a sudden cardiac arrest. So, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, I did not receive CPR right away because of my agonal gasping. Um, you know, some of the people that were certified and trained, um, you know, didn't, didn't do anything. And, and the building I was in did not have an automated external defibrillator in it. 
So I got really lucky because when 911 was called, um, there was a volunteer EMT and he was sitting at his desk in the building next door uh, working on his pager and uh, I'm sorry, working on working at his desk and his pager went off when the 911 call came through and he saw it, recognized the address and um, came over and, and gave me really good CPR until uh, an ambulance arrived and the uh, the paramedics and EMTs, they ran in and shocked me with their defibrillator and and got a, a heart rhythm back and uh, or a normal heart rhythm back, I should say. So, um, you know, without without that guy that gave me CPR and obviously without the ambulance and the, the defibrillator they used, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here today. And, um, you know, like I said, it completely changed my life forever for a lot of ways. And it kind of has launched me into my career and, and doing work to try to prevent death from sudden cardiac arrest. Mike, it's it's a really compelling story. What was your ultimate diagnosis? So yeah, so I was um, diagnosed in the hospital with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and you know what was interesting about that was my family. The first night, the doctor and I was still unconscious, but the doctor told my parents that I probably had heart disease, and we're going to figure out what it was. And my parents, specifically my dad, was like adamantly against and thought the doctor couldn't be right because I was young, healthy, and um, you know, I had no, you know, we had no clue as a family that heart disease could affect young people at that time. You know, we thought it was just, you know, that certain demographic, older, not fit, not in shape, doesn't take care of themselves. Those are the people that have heart disease, but we were so wrong. And, um, it was a quite the eye opening uh, news and, and, um, experience for our family. Yeah. To that point, your condition, your condition, cardiomyopathy, you know, many times with younger population, you know, especially cardiac calls in our industry, it's the first time that a condition rears its ugly head for you in particular, the first time you had an issue with your heart from this cardiomyopathy, you were in cardiac arrest. And, you know, we read about this so many times in, in athletic settings or in gyms, you know, like, or in at basketball games or baseball games, you know, these are all these types of incidents that occur. And so many times there's nothing that, you know, gives us any clue that there's a problem with these kids. Adults, certainly, you know, there's cardiovascular disease and it's documented and you're treated and you're medicated, but this happens so quickly, which is why your role now is so important in bridging that gap and the importance of that type of, really, for lack of a better term, uh, treatment in this setting in the lay rescuer, you know, population, you know, and I wanted to highlight real quick, you know, some data that recently was released from the Journal of the American College of Cardiology regarding mortality in sports-related sudden cardiac arrest. In the last two years, there was a three-fold increase in the rate of trained bystander CPR and an 18-fold increase in the rate of bystander AED use, which equated to a 67% survival rate at hospital discharge. Now, those are phenomenal numbers. You know, it, it shows that there are more people becoming educated in CPR and willing to do it, empowered to do it, and that there's more AEDs readily available in these locations. And we know that the quicker that we shock, the, the better result. Um, you know, I, I, with your job and your role as a manager of community relations for DFib Tech, I have to assume that it has far-reaching effects between local communities, local governments, and the emergency service population. Maybe you could discuss that a little bit and what role you play. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so you know, I have my role at the FibTech, and, and you know, we have a we have a family uh, nonprofit organization called In a Heartbeat. And in between the two, you know, we spent a lot of time in the community and and really 
um, dealing with, like you said, the, those lay rescuers. And and one of the biggest things and, and kind of the stance that we take at the FIPTEC, and of course, the work we do at the nonprofit is, is our job is to just, just raise general awareness and and make sure that people do feel empowered to step in and are not afraid to use an AED and and um, understand that, you know, the AEDs that are hanging on the wall are made for lay rescuers, non-medical professionals, and anyone can use them, whether or not you have a certification card or you don't. All you have to do is turn it on. And, and I think just spreading that awareness is so huge because um, people still don't understand that. You know, we, we find that we'll do a, a one minute and I'm, I mean, a one minute AED demo, not a full certification class, not a, you know, two hour, you know, where you're on the mannequin, but like a one minute demo with an AED. And that could be the difference between someone being comfortable using one and not comfortable using one. And the amount of people that still to this day say to us like, wow, I thought that if I use that on somebody that might not need it, that I could actually hurt them or I, I could deliver a shock that could be you know, detrimental to them when, and not understanding that the AEDs analyze and, and read heart rhythms and will only deliver a shock if necessary. So I think a big part of our role, obviously, as an AED manufacturer is getting these AEDs out there, but not just getting them out there and, and having them hang on a wall, but, you know, being a resource and, and providing that information to the lay rescuer that, you know, you need to step up and help um, where, you know, people are relying on you know, lay rescuers to, to do something before that ambulance arrives. And that something could be the difference between life and death. Without question. And, you know, public access defibrillation programs certainly are nothing new. You know, this started in, in the 90s and, you know, has gained traction. But, you know, I would argue that it really is probably of the utmost importance right now. And, and there are some overarching factors that go into it's my thought here, which I thought was interesting when I was going to speak with you and I learned about that we were going to have you on. I said, you know, it's interesting. The, the majority of the listeners are providers. So, you know, they understand the, the importance of AEDs. They understand the importance of defibrillation and, and certainly much more in depth than the lay person. But why is it so important for responders to acknowledge the importance of public access defibrillation, especially now? And so, you know, if you go back and you look at, at the data that we're getting now, especially during the COVID era over the last two plus years, we have had an increase in sudden cardiac arrest uh, that has been exponential. Um, we're seeing it. And, and what are the reasons that, you know, there's certainly different reasons for this. You know, people weren't getting screened during COVID or they were scared if they had, you know, symptoms, they didn't want to go to the hospital. And then of course you had folks that just had etiology that were directly related to COVID. But the fact of the matter is you throw in another piece of data, which I think is the most eye-opening. And that for us right now as an industry is the lack of resources and the attrition that we've had in the EMS industry. We are down personnel. You know, we have dropped personnel precipitously in the COVID era. So now we're lacking those resources. Response times increase, and we know what happens in cardiac arrest. You only have a very small window to convert that patient. And if we're going to have increased response rates, we need the general public to be trained because they can either, you know, they can start CPR, they can defibrillate, they can stop major bleeding if we go into that realm. Any major life threat can be handled by the public if they're empowered to do so. And so I'm wondering for you and for DFib Tech, what are some of the measures that you're taking now to get out there in front of the community? Yeah, I mean, um, I, th I think doing exactly that, like different, different community events, just um, 
making people, I mean, empowered is a big word that I, that I keep thinking of, but like, I, I think it's important for people to know that like EMS personnel are, are, they're incredible. I mean, they save lives, but having EMS personnel, um, share and be, and say, Hey, we, we need, we need lay rest here as a step up. Like when we, when we get a call to a sudden cardiac arrest, we need to show up and see CPR being started, already started and, and an AED already deployed. Um, and, and kind of, kind of making sure people understand like how important that is, how important the five to seven minutes before the ambulance arrives, um, really is. And, uh, you know, I'm a CPR instructor as well. And that, that's really, I teach a lot of lay wrestlers. I, I do mostly people that are not medical professionals. And that's the message I'm stressing the entire time is this whole class is about how important the five to seven minutes before that ambulance arrives is. And, um, I think just getting out there and doing it and just, just being around and being, um, being present at, at different, different community events just goes such a long way. And we're, we do that, you know, we try to, in our local area, we're, you know, we're based in Connecticut, try to attend different things and whether it's uh, it could be anything. I mean, it could be a charity golf tournament. It could be a, a chamber of commerce event. It could, it could really be anything to just be there and, and, and take five minutes, you know, to, to demonstrate hands only CPR and how easy it is to use an AED. And, and that small awareness could just, just, just help, help save a life. Yeah, I think that the nuts and bolts of this go into the awareness, right? You know, awareness brings empowerment. And, you know, if you look at this, you know, what are what are some of the nuts and bolts? I have to assume that this is very much uh, community and, and local, locally centric. So, you know, specific communities. Okay, are you going to develop this public access defibrillation model? You know, and, and maybe, you know, getting those those units, those AEDs into specific areas, but also making the responders aware that they exist is probably a really important part to this. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, of course, like I said, you know, we're our job as, as, a, as a company is, of course, to place AEDs out there and, and fulfill our mission, which is to help save lives from cardiac arrest. But just placing an AED is is you know, one piece, it's a big piece, but it's one piece to the whole puzzle, you know, and, and the rest of it is, is having a whole program around it. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's making, like you said, making the public aware of, um, of where they are. Um, you know, uh, another piece of it is, is, you know, making sure that where we place the AEDs, they have maintenance resources, right? So in two years, if the AED needs to get used, it has the, you know, pads and in five years, the batteries replaced and, um, so it's, it, it really is, it's a whole, it's a whole, uh, process and program and it, it starts with placing the AED and then it comes with, you know, training, awareness, emergency action plans, maintenance plans, and, and really the whole, the whole package to make sure that, you know, that AED, when it needs to be used, it's ready to save somebody's life and people are around are, are ready to, it's ready to step in. I don't really want to put you on the spot, but maybe I will. What, what's the... <laughs> What brings you the greatest sense of gratitude uh, for this position, Mike? And, you know, maybe just an example of something, you know, that you developed or, or that you implemented that, you know, brought about a positive result. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, we get we get calls to, to customer service. And, and when we get those calls that one of our AEDs is used to save somebody, it, it really puts in what we do every day in perspective. And you know, it's one of those things where from, you know, my nonprofit side and my defib tech side, we're, we're placing AEDs all over the place with the hope that they never get used. 
you know, you obviously never want someone to be in this situation, but when you do get that call that, you know, your, your AED that you placed here was deployed and used to save somebody's life, it, it makes, it makes a day-to-day work, you know, hundred percent worth it. And, you know, it only takes one of those calls, right? If you could, you could, you know, save one person's life. And, and when you, when you save one person's life, you, you save their life and the impact you have on so many other people around them is just so tremendous. And, um, for a lot of different reasons. So, you know, getting those messages and getting those phone calls is really what, um, you know, what, what puts it all in in perspective of what what we're doing. Well, Mike, there's no question that I think that this is a really important topic, especially these days. Like I said, there's, there's so many overarching factors that go into this now. Um, you know, COVID has spun the world on its head and we have to restart, you know, we have to restart thinking, you know, you know, the thinking process behind the way we treat people. Things aren't always the way they used to be. And, and certainly public access to fibrillation and CPR is something that we have to start putting a lot more emphasis into. And, and certainly, Mike, your story is one of inspiration. And I really want to thank you for sharing with us today. Yeah. I also, I also want to thank you for your continued work to get this message out about the importance through your foundation public access to fibrillation and the incredible impact that these programs can have within communities across the U.S. should never be overstated. So I really want to thank you for coming on with us today. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Mike. And thanks for helping us continue to uh, spread our message and spread awareness. Without question. Also, a thank you to DFib Tech for their work in providing state-of-the-art technology in the fight against sudden cardiac arrest. Questions on ways to deploy public access to fibrillation programs can certainly be directed uh, to DFib Tech and to Mike, and we will post uh, we will post contact information on the site. And uh, a quick reminder, EMS World Expo 2022 is taking place in beautiful Orlando, Florida, October 10th to the 14th. Mark your calendars as Expo is a conference that should never be missed. And thanks for listening. I'm Mike McCabe. Catch you next time on another episode of EMS World Podcasts. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 